welcome to the City Rev Life podcast. Uh, my name is Craig. I'm here with Pastor Justin. Uh, we are going through this series, and we're talking today about uh, for people who say, "Hey, I'm a Christian, but I'm confused with uh, about my gender." And so um, that's what our topic today. What would you say to that to that question? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, we're right here at the tail end of a series where we've been talking through just. Uh, we've titled it Jesus and LGBTQ+. Yep. We've been having some important conversations about this topic. And to set this up, I was thinking about two individuals in particular. So um, I remember had a vivid memory just this morning, thinking about sitting in my office with uh, a mom and her son and hearing uh, this young man, he's a high school student, share his heart about this very topic. Yeah. He said, you know, he said things like, yeah, since I was, um, since I was about 12 years old, I've struggled with my gender and I've felt different, felt confused, felt like something was wrong with me, uh, battled through some serious anxiety and insecurity because of it. I think about another uh, young woman who was in our student ministry years ago who started coming at the invitation of a friend and was... Um, kind of exploring gender in general, and uh, she's hearing the gospel for the first time. Mm-hmm. She's not; she wasn't a churchgoer, didn't know Jesus, and uh, we ministered to her for um, about a year, where she kept coming and coming and coming. And so, when I think about this conversation, it's very it's personal because yeah. there are faces and people attached to it. And so, we're not. We're not activists speaking about activists or about, you know, agendas. We're talking about God's word and what it means for people. Yeah, this isn't a cause for us that we're like picking on or or picking up on behalf of someone else. This is about people in our church and in our community, people that we know, people that we care for, people that are trying to figure out this question in a a genuine way, right? They're, Right. They're going through a really, really hard time. And they're trying to figure out, okay, well, what do I do with my faith and with these feelings I have and these questions I have about my gender um, identity? So for someone who's struggling with that, where would you start that conversation? Sure. So for this conversation, the way we titled it is important. We're talking about someone who is a Christian, meaning they look at the Bible as God's word and as authoritative for their life. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to say to the person who's struggling, confused with their gender uh, and they are a follower of Christ. I just kind of want to walk through the the core message of the gospel in in three kind of themes. First, in in terms of the goodness of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Second, the brokenness that comes because of sin. And third, the redemption that's offered to us in Jesus. Sure, sure. And so, just to start, the goodness of God's design for gender. Uh, this that's an important place to start. Gender appears, our sex appears in the very first pages of the Bible. Yeah, right at the start. Right at the start. And just think about for a moment, just think about the nature of creating something. So uh, we have laws in the United States that protect, uh, you know, an entrepreneur or an inventor uh, who has copyright, who has authority over something they create. If they create create it, you can't steal it. You know, the law will come after you in that kind of sense. And that's intuitive for us. That makes sense as something that's just... Because when you create something, you are the one who has the rights and authority to do with it according to how you feel, right? And so when it comes to us as human beings, the biblical picture is that we are creatures of God. We are made by God, and we're made in the image of God. And therefore, God has authority over all of us. Sure. 
He's the one who made us. And especially if we're a follower of Christ, not only is God in authority over all of his creation, but those who have given their allegiance to Jesus Christ, especially for us, we are those who say, God, I surrender to you as the Lord of my life and trust you in that way. Uh, and so the passage I just begin looking at is Genesis chapter 2. So maybe, Craig, you can read Genesis 2, 18 through 20. Yeah. This is right there at the creation moment, God describing him forming a woman for the man. So maybe read that and we'll Yeah, talk Genesis 2, 18 through 20 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock, and to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. There you go. So this is what's setting up. What happens after that is the famous moment where Adam's in a deep sleep. God takes some from the side of him and forms the woman, brings her to the man, which is a really beautiful image of God forming man and woman. So here in this passage, there's a phrase that repeats twice that I want to draw out. Yeah. And it's the phrase, I will make a helper fit for him. Yep. It's there in verse 18. And then later on in verse 20, it says, but, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. These two words in Hebrew, the word that we get helper from and the word we get fit from, depending on your translation of the Bible, might use different English words. But these two Hebrew words are extremely helpful for giving us a sense of why gender? Like, think about it for a moment. In theory, God could have just created a species yeah. that they're all the same, that yeah, there is no two sexes. He so has an infinite imagination. He doesn't. Right. He didn't need to create people. Or a, or a hundred. Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't need to create people this way, but he chose to create people male and female. Right, and we're told in the image of God passage, we can go back to Genesis 1, where it says in verses 26 through 28, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he yeah. created them. Yeah. So this is right at the very beginning of, of the Bible. So to anyone who might say, hey, look, gender, what's the big deal? What What's, like, this is so core, it's at the very foundation, it's at the beginning of this biblical story. Uh, and so, anyways, these two Hebrew words, the word that we get helper from in our English Standard Version translation, it's the Hebrew word azer. And this Hebrew word uh, is used at times in the Old Testament to describe God. God is our azer, our yeah, help. helper. Um, here it's used to describe the woman that, that he's about to make for the man. And think about just the nature of help. If you need a helper, right? and someone is going to come and be the helper, that implies something about that person, mm -hmm. right? It implies that they're not the same as you, right? Why? Why is it important that they're not yeah, the same? Yeah, they can provide something that you don't have or don't have access to. Correct. So, in other words, Adam, the man, he's there, and it's not that something's wrong with Adam. It's just that there's help that Adam needs that he can't provide for himself. So God is going to provide that help. And by nature of someone helping you, it's like, you know, with, with our kids, uh, if our child needs help, you know, if my six-year-old needs help, he doesn't need his four-year-old brother yeah. to, to help him right. with advice. 
he needs someone different than him, right? Right. I think it's just our common usage of helper, right? right. It's just kind of like, you know, I think Demeaning. of my little kids is like, oh, you'll be my little helper, right? My daughter right. is my little helper to help change the diaper, you know? like Yes. It, that, but that's not the biblical usage of that word. Yeah, no, the idea of a helper is, again, we said it's used throughout, especially in the Psalms, to describe the Lord. God is our helper. What does that mean? He has a strength. He has ability and power that we don't have, that we need, and he can provide. And it's, there's a similar dynamic here with the woman that he's about to make. The woman is going to provide certain strengths that the man does not have, that the man needs. And the only way she can do that is if she's different than mm-hmm. the man. Sure. And that gets us to the next word, the word fit, a helper fit for him. And that's the, the Hebrew word neged. Um, and that word means opposite to or uh, uh, corresponding to. Um, it carries with it this idea of someone being placed in front of you and there being like this complementary uh, role or um, nature to who this person is. And this describes just the way in which, you know, how is the woman going to be a help to the man? Well, she's going to be distinct. She's going to be someone who can complete, uh, correspond to him. So there's similarities, but there's differences. Like puzzle pieces fitting together. Sure. That's kind of the idea that's being okay. described here. So. God ends up making a, a woman who is fit for the man. And this is, I think this is quite beautiful to think about it. Um, this is displaying how man is not superior to woman. Woman is not superior to man. They're different. They're both made in the image of God, equal in value. But each bring to humanity, each bring according to God's design, a strength that the other needs and relies on that if it was just women or it was just men, we would be lacking. Yeah. And it's something that if we're all made in the image of God, something that's been given to them by God, something from God. Yes. Right? This is like something that the Lord has given to men, something yes. that the Lord has given to women for, for a purpose. And like you said, this is at the very beginning of scripture. So we're talking before, before the, the fall, fall, before Adam and Eve's rebellion, right? Before right. the rejection of God in his way. So we're talking about things that are good, that God declared good and holy. Yes. Okay. And so then how does that change when sin enters into the world? Right. So that, that lays out the fact that God's design, his blueprint for gender, for sexuality, male and female, is good. It is a gift. It is from the wisdom of God. The second thing that we need to talk about, like you said, is just the brokenness that comes because of sin. So you turn the page from Genesis 2, yeah. you get to Genesis 3, and... In that narrative, we see the the sheer death, envy, um, the the blame that starts taking place because yeah. of sin. Our desires become corrupted by sin, and so because of that, the universal human experience is every person has the experience of having desires inside of them that we know aren't good for us. Yeah, all of us, all the time have different types of desires, and all the time we're having to make judgment calls. Is this desire something I should pursue and allow to flourish? Should I pour you know, gasoline on that desire and yeah. let that thing rage? Or is this something I need to you know, pour a bucket of cold water on and completely quench? Sure, sure. And we need to ask those questions. So simple example. So um, someone wrongs you, a desire that pops up is, I want revenge, right? And so in revenge, you might, in passion, seek to want to do something to harm that individual to get back at them. Sure. And I think many people would say that that's a wrong desire. You need to, you need to quench that desire. Put that out, that yeah, fire out. Yeah, something that be steered or controlled or... Exactly. Take it, it out. 
Exactly. And and so there's a number of these desires that we have within us. Greed, greed. lust, wrath, right? All the seven deadly sins pretty much, right? Sure. They're all there. They're yeah. all natural desires that pop up, but that doesn't mean just because they're there right. that, that they should be fueled. And, and by natural, what we mean is not necessarily good and from God. What we mean is natural in the sense of our, our nature, they, our sinful they nature. in us. Right, yeah. exactly. And so the question every human is wrestling with all the time is, which desires do I starve and which desires do I feed? Yeah. Which ones do I starve? Which do I feed? And for Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, then God's word, the Bible, is our authority for the desires we seek to starve and the, the desires we seek to feed and nourish in our lives. And in a previous episode, we talked about how the Bible the truth that it offers us, the promise is, is that it brings freedom. Uh, that if we trust in God's word, what he's going to bring us to is this place of freedom. So this is not, hey, you know, all those desires that you have that are going to be for your fun and joy and happiness, God wants to kill all of that. And he wants instead for you to be miserable and joyless and feel like your life is boring and terrible. Right. That is not the case. He mm. he is a good designer. There's a goodness to the way he Yeah, works. Jesus presents it as that he is the life, right? right? Or or if you go to the Old Testament, it is the way of life. Or Jesus talks about you yeah. know, the, the light and the darkness. His is the, the way of the light. Right mm-hmm. or or Moses would be the way of life as opposed to death. Like this is yeah. the the good. This is the good path. That's what he presents it. This is the yeah. better path. Yeah. The uh, classic um, illustration of this is uh, I think it's in Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis. He talks about how uh, true freedom is not the absence of all restrictions and yeah. limitations. True freedom is the presence of the right ones. Think of a fish in a fishbowl. Is a fish more free inside of a fishbowl? or outside of a fishbowl, sure. right? And I remember teaching this to a group of middle and high school students one time, and I literally had a goldfish there and on you, the and stage. You took it out of the... And I had a net, and I took the, I started reaching as I was going <laughs> to grab, and I was asking, you know, I feel terrible for this goldfish because look yeah. how confined yeah. this fish is in this small bowl. Wouldn't he be much happier if we just let him be free, you know, outside of the constraints of this fishbowl? And, you know, everybody was in an uproar. No, right. don't do it. You know, anyway, so. Right. We uh, can't, we can't trust our desires untamed. We can't. Like, exactly. We can't look, we can't look into ourselves to say it's this is anarchy. how we should live. Yeah. It brings death and it brings chains. I mean, it yeah. brings oppression. Yeah. So the fish is more free in that fishbowl. Okay. Sure. So the, the question is, what are the right limits that make way for freedom. This is how you have society without chaos. So the vision of the Bible is God has given us in his word the truth that can set us free. It gives us the fishbowl that leads to life so that we don't suffocate because of our sin. So all of us, our bodies are corrupt. All of us, all of us have desires. Whether you're someone who has uh, gender confusion, gender dysphoria, whether you're someone who... uh, feels like your sex matches your gender or you've never even had this thought before or Mm -hmm. been even in this question or or whatever it is all of us have areas of our lives that because of sin our desires are warped they're not in step with god's good design and we're in need of redemption yeah absolutely in need of redemption which brings us to the the third category that we're going to talk about redemption that we have in jesus so here's what i would say to that person is uh, listen to the words of Romans 8. So maybe, uh, Craig, if you could read that. Romans 8, sure. 19 through 24. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Such, such a beautiful passage yeah. describing yeah. the universal human experience that we have this sense that something's not right. Yeah, we're longing for something. We, we long for a redemption. And the, the metaphor he uses here is we're in the pains of childbirth. Mm. And the idea of childbirth is it's progressively more and more painful, but then it gives way to utter joy. Yeah. This exuberant relief of joy when that child is in your arms. And the picture here is in this world, right? If you're a Christian, you are a part of the creation that longs for the revealing of Jesus Christ when he yeah. comes and makes all things new again. And when for the first time ever, all of our desires will be in alignment with what brings true freedom, where all of our brokenness will be restored and healed. To use this language here, we uh, who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And it's this picture of thorough healing. And so right now, what we have is the first fruits. Yeah. We have the first fruits of the spirits, which is kind of this idea of we have the down payment. Yeah. We have a taste of the big banquet that's yeah. to come. The full feast is is coming and we're getting the appetizers now and the appetizers are delicious, right? Yeah. But the full redemption is coming and, it, and it's glory when Christ returns. And it's important for us to realize that first fruits, what we've been given now is is not nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, God God brings healing now. He brings restoration now. He he does his work of redemption now. And so this is the promise here. We need to remember that this isn't heaven, that we are redeemed in Christ and we're being redeemed in Christ. And uh one day when he comes in all of his glory, we will have our faith be made sight. Right. We see it dimly now, but right. one day we will see it fully. Yes. The complete picture. So for a person who is dealing with this question and, and says it, a person who's a Christian who says, right. hey, I, I am a Christian. I agree with you. I understand the biblical story that we were created good, that sin has corrupted. I understand that Jesus redeems, right. but I, I believe in Jesus. I follow Jesus. He's my Lord, but I, I'm still dealing with this. I still have yeah. pain. I'm still questioning my gender. I'm still confused about what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. What, would, what would you say to that person? Yeah, so to that person, I would just say um, a few truth truth statements from Scripture and then a, a couple of calls to action is what I would say. I would say, first and foremost, to somewhat recap what we just talked about, I would say God is a good creator who has a purpose for how he made you. And I would say that your body is not a mistake or an mm-hmm. accident. Uh, I would say that the way that your, your body is not uh, a problem, and uh, something that is, you know, something that was a, a flaw in the system, but that there is a reality of sin and that your feelings, your feelings, the way or even the desires in your, your heart, the confusion in your mind, your feelings are not more real than your body. Uh, your, your emotions, especially for those of you who maybe you're listening and you're a teenager, 
uh, when you're in a season of your life where your body is changing so much because of development, you're growing, your hormones are going going wild in that season of adolescence. Yeah. Uh, it is common for for teens, adolescents to have different confusion about their body as it changes. And what I would just say is, the way you feel inside and the thoughts you have in your mind are not more legitimate than the body that you have. And what I would say is that Jesus has come to rescue you. Jesus has come to redeem you. Sin has corrupted all of our desires. Like we don't want to just elevate this one issue above all the others and say, this is the litmus test. No, there's a whole slew of desires we have as human beings. And sure, our sexual desires are are one of them, but they're not the whole picture. And Jesus is in the process, if you're a Christian, of redeeming all of those and bringing holiness and and growth and maturity to all of those spaces he's making each of us new redeeming all of those parts and so i just want to say this with with clarity and with love that if that's you if that's where you're at your path forward will not be helped by hormones or surgical procedures your way to experience what you long for which is you know, I, I I think of that again, that young man I was sitting in front of who was sharing honestly, vulnerably uh, with his mom there saying, I've just, I feel like I've been tortured. You know, I mm. feel, I've and I, I empathize. And my answer to that person is not, oh, well, that's just, you know, you're just making stuff up. No, or, it's real, right? That's a real pain. I, I'm looking at that person. They're not acting. They're not playing pretend. But what I want to say and what I said to him was, you're not going to be helped by having a surgery or by getting drugs pumped into your body. And sadly, there are many people who are led to believe that that is the only option mm-hmm. for the way that they feel, mm-hmm. that their only way out, their only way to experience healing from this feeling of dysphoria, of discontinuity between their inside and their outside is by surgery or hormones. And what I want to say is there's, there's a different way yeah, what um, would be another approach to this to this problem? Yeah, so he, what I would say is, uh, there's a, a really helpful book uh, that that I read that you read as well that I would commend to anybody listening and who's wanting to learn more about this topic. It's by a man named Andrew T. Walker. Andrew T. Walker, mm-hmm. um, God and the Transgender Debate, mm-hmm. and the book is titled Debate, or the word debate is in there, but it's really not a combative book. It's really well written, um, written just. I think at a level where if you're someone who is processing through this and asking this question, I would commend it to you. But he he references one particular psychologist, Paul McHugh, who was the University Distinguished Professor of Psychiatry at Johns Hopkins Medical School. And uh, so well-known psychologist, well-accomplished. And here's what this uh, doctor, he says. He says this, gender dysphoria which is the official psychiatric term for feeling oneself to be the opposite sex, belongs in a family of similarly disordered assumptions about the body, such as anorexia nervosa and body dysmorphic disorder. Its treatment should not be directed at the body as with surgery and hormones any more than one treats obesity-fearing anorexic patients with liposuction. The treatment should strive to correct the false, problematic nature of the assumption and to resolve the psychological conflicts provoking it. Okay. So, so listen to what he's saying. He's saying, uh, and since then, since this time, 
the, a lot of the psychology material and literature has changed to yeah. the cultural pressures and the cultural movement yeah. towards affirming anything and everything that you feel on the inside, go for it. Yeah. That psychology has, you know, capital P psychology has flown in that direction. But the way psychologists used to treat this type of gender dysphoria up until, you know, just not that long ago was those feelings you have on the inside, you need some therapy with a great counselor who can help you come to terms with your physical reality mm -hmm. and who can help you walk through that and come to a place of understanding and congruence uh, and, and that the the thing to, towards healing is not getting cut up right but for you and your mind and heart to adjust to the reality of who god made you to be so the approach would be to treat your mind to yes. match your body's design not yeah. treat your body to match the feelings that are in your mind correct okay correct and so this is such a an important distinction and we talked about this in a previous episode in our day it's all about my subjective personal truth mm -hmm. my feelings on the inside and I am going to live my life bending reality to meet my feelings on the inside. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, that is in a previous episode we talked about, it's impossible to live that way consistently in every area of your life. Yeah. There is fixed reality. And what I would just say to that person who is struggling in this way, God loves you. He made you the way he made you. Sin is a reality. We're all broken. And this is one of those areas in your mind that Jesus wants to bring healing. And so what I would say to you is you don't you don't need to go get drugs pumped into your body to give you certain hormones or to to have a, a surgical procedure to fix your body to match your insides. What I would commend you to to is a few things, a great Christian counselor mm -hmm. who can help you think through your story and maybe get down to the roots of where this came from and yeah. how this originated in your life into rich Christian community uh, that is centered on the scripture and to find uh, a group of people that you can trust and share with at a deep level and be honest about. And, and unfortunately, oftentimes churches, because we haven't known how to, how do you approach this? How do you yeah. talk about this? Some people have had the experience in the church where they are uh, mistreated, where they yeah. are yeah. thought of as though they're a spectacle rather than met with truth and love. And so what I would say to you is, um, if, you're, if you're a person who clicked on this video or is listening to this podcast because you resonate with the question, um, I just really caution against the, um, the social media, uh, yeah. digital, algorithmed community that's offered to you online yeah. and to push into physical like in person with your church family, asking these questions with a trusted ministry leader, a pastor saying, Hey, this is where I'm at. And yeah. We, we want you here. We want you here in a community right. like this. Like we want you to be part, we want to be part of that Correct. with you. And I think part of the other part that, that comes to my mind and the, what breaks my heart too, is that some of these communities can present this as the solution to, Hey, yeah. here are the problems I have in my life. And I feel this way. Yeah. And if I get this surgery, if I take these hormones, if I make this change, yep things will be better. And we just know that that's not how life works, yes. right? We know that the, there's not that one solution that's going to fix all your problems. And sometimes it can be propped up. And honestly, what's being pushed sometimes is a, is a false hope, yeah. right? Like this is a bigger solution than is actually true. Yeah. And to follow that person's, you know, advice that's convincing you towards 
whether it's gender reassignment or to start presenting as the opposite's yeah. gender, is to take them on faith, right. believing that that's going to bring you healing. And what we're saying is that true life is found in Jesus. True life is found in Him. And so, uh, you know, there's so many people who their their story into transitioning and their and their story in when it comes to seeing their gender identity. So many people begin their story with, "Well, I I found this person on YouTube, yeah. or I started following this person on TikTok, or their yeah. videos started coming up, and I just resonated with a lot of what they said." Yeah. And I said, oh, I've had that thought before, or I've felt that way. And then you get kind of connected into that community. And then over time, you become convinced that now this is this is who you are. Yeah. So therefore, you must do what they did. And, and what I just want to say to you is, is to engage in a personal level, in a physical way, with your church family. And so a great Christian counselor, rich Christian community, having conversations about Scripture and love— and and finally, I just say Jesus is worth it. He's yeah. worth it. And um, Jesus said things like, "There's no one who left mother and father, yeah. and no one who sacrificed anything, had to give up everything for the sake of the kingdom, who will not gain uh, yeah. double more than than that in eternity." Jesus is better than what this world has yeah. to offer. He us. he knows you. He's made you. He cares for you. Yeah. Um, and he he's calling you to a life in him, a fulfilling yeah. life in him, right? For yeah. with a trusted savior, not not some person online, right? But someone who's really laid down his life for you, shown yeah. his love. That's for right. you. Well, that's helpful. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for um sharing that. For those of you out here watching or listening, we hope this was helpful um for you, or maybe there's someone that you've been talking to uh, about this that maybe you could share this with. That would be that would be great as well. Um, but we look forward to continuing these conversations. And uh, we'll catch you again at the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe or leave a rate and review. If you want more content or additional resources, head to cityrev.org or download our app. We hope you have a great day.